0: Yep, it's only an hour. Jeff out Jordan's Chris. Jordan, did you watch any bowl games last night? Man, I I feel like that Alamo Bowl, I feel like that game was never going to end. That was, like, the longest freaking game ever.
1: Yeah, I uh, I watched, like, the first few minutes a half, and I'm like, it's like 1030. I'm not <laughs> – <laughs> I, I want to go to bed. Um, but I was – it's funny. I actually did end up staying up on my phone past. The end of the game, and I was paying attention to it, like the stats and game cast or whatever. But I wasn't mm-hmm. actually actually watching yeah. the broadcast. Uh, interesting to see a lot of people. There's a lot of people's. Uh, well, in this job, whenever you covered these kids since their freshman year, sometimes for most of them, mm-hmm. multiple years, um, you have your own opinion that you feel pretty good about, and right. so it's interesting to see other you know, fans' opinions on Twitter. And I'm bringing this up to talk about Jackson Arnold. I figured like, you were, yeah. I figured that's where you were going. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I know he's the OU starting quarterback, but, I mean, like, man, he, he was awesome in high school. Um, he kind of looked like what I expected his first start to look like. Um, someone on Twitter said it, and it actually, you know, I felt was pretty correct. But um, a lot of people won't remember this, but never Westlake won their first three titles in a row. Um, they played Denton Geyer in the first and the third one. And in the first mm-hmm. one, um, Eli Stowers, who was Geyer's four-star quarterback, whatever, had committed and signed with AM, but he was hurt, wasn't playing in the state game, so Jackson Arnold had to make his first ever start in high school as a freshman versus Westlake in the state championship yeah. game. And um, while he couldn't really do anything in that game, uh, he showed flashes and like made, he made plays happen that most freshmen aren't, be, aren't supposed to be able to. Um And it felt very reminiscent last night that we were kind of seeing a replay of that four years later um, where it seemed he was kind of just outmatched at times. Um, And then... It was moving
0: moving fast for him. You know, you could tell.
1: Yeah, made he made some plays. He showed some flashes. He obviously turned the ball over a lot. Um, But I expected, I still think he's really, really good. And I still think, you know, two years from now, he can be a first-rounder. But... But, yeah, I mean, he was our number one player in Texas for a reason coming out. And that 2023 class was is loaded in an in-state class, you'll see. Um, yeah. And that, <laughs> that's kind of just how good he was. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll tell you this,
0: man. I, I like, you know, OU's running back room with Walker and especially Gavin Sawchuk. Like, they're they're probably a little bit better than I think maybe I initially gave them credit for at running back. Their receiver group is, is interesting, though. Because they've got some decent pieces, but they don't seem to fit well as a unit, if that makes any sense, right? Like you've got, you know, Nick Anderson's a talented kid, but he's, you know, your six-three vertical guy. Uh Jalil Farouk isn't gonna run away from anybody, but he's a guy that you can throw a tunnel screen to on third and four and, and let him work through the wash uh Brennan Thompson had a touchdown catch last night. So they it's not that they lack talent, but I don't know Jordan help me out cuz I like I don't think OU's void of talent at receiver. It's just when I look at that group, man, the 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 pieces just don't fit like on paper like you think they probably should. It just seems like there's something missing.
1: Yeah. Um I like Nick Anderson a lot and I, I thought it was interesting seeing people's takes on him from last night. And it's like, wow, he's, I saw some people basically just acting like, you know, wow, why don't we get him the ball more? He's good. And it's like, dude, he was the best route runner. He, he was the best route runner in his class in the state of Texas. What a con- was, what a
0: concept.
1: And was, you know, one of, if not, like, th- this is Nick Harrison's take. So he was a Katie kid. Um, if y'all don't know, Katie High runs the ball and, you know, uh, I don't mind saying it on air. I strongly dislike Katie High. <laughs> Mostly has to do with their fans, just their when fans. I'll say this
0: about Nick Anderson, though, so annoying. before you continue.
1: Yeah.
0: Nick, Nick Anderson, I think it was his senior year when they played mm-hmm. Westlake and got destroyed by Westlake at, at McLean Stadium, was the only dude that looked like he belonged on the field with Jaden Greathouse and Keaton
1: Kubeka and, and the skilled guys Westlake had. Well, he he had already graduated by then. He was a twenty twenty one kid, I believe. He's my class. I'm pretty sure. I I'm I'm was he twenty twenty two? No, he was he played in that game. I know he did. I was at that game. I don't hold up. I'm double checking this. Yeah. He was in that game, Jordan. Um No he he was a class of twenty twenty two. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only the um. only dude from KD that
0: looked like he had any business being on the field. With that the yeah.
1: team. Yeah, and we always, Nick and I were always higher on him than 24-7 was, When um, we felt he was literally the best route runner, kind of, in his class, outside mm-hmm. of, like, Evan Stewart. Um, but no one really ever got a chance to see that, because he didn't go to many events, and also, you know, he plays in Katie's offense, so I feel like... That's a hell of
0: a reference in the chat, by the
1: way. Hell of a reference. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um So... I like Nick Anderson. Farouk, I don't know. He's out of eligibility. I- am I wrong? I know Drake stoops has to be. He has to be. Drake Stoops is done. I I know that tra-
0: <laughs> Drake-, Drake Stoops is done. Uh yeah. Jalil Farouk, I I don't think so, man. I thought he was. Let me see. Jalil Farouk. Uh
1: Jalil Farouk is a junior. So no, he's Jaleel wow. He was class. Out. I thought he was way older for some reason. He's my age.
0: No, and, and Farouk Jalil Farouk had a tough night. It, it, it's it's unfortunate for Texas fans because, like, Jalil Farouk played the game of his life against Texas. Like, you talk to O like, every fan base has that, those one or two guys that they're just like, eh, I mean, he, yeah, he's on our team, but you know, yeah, <laughs> we could do without him. Like, every OU fan I talk to seems to be that way about Jalil Farouk, but like, I think they're indebted to Jalil Farouk because Dude played the game of his life against Texas this year. So, yeah. but at any rate, man, I, I don't know. You know, I think Jackson Arnold's gonna be fine once speed of the game and, and all that stuff. Once once he gets caught up, um, I just think oh, you I don't, I don't know, Jordan. I, again, I, something's missing. Something's amiss with them at receiver because they they should be they should be more productive. They should be a more formidable unit than they play like
1: yeah um no mgk said stoops put his hands on the ref last night i didn't see that i I started watching a few minutes into the first and probably watched or now maybe a few minutes left in the first and watched the whole second quarter some parts of the first or the second half but um i didn't see that i think one thing we got to realize is that you know i I hate giving this, this this excuse for oklahoma but um, I'm sure they're dealing with some guys sitting out at some point. I don't know if that affects the receivers. Um, I think for the uh, I think Deion Burks is definitely going to have a starting job there next year. Yeah, he's um, a walk-in starter for sure. I'm, inter- I'm really, really, really interested to see when uh, Jaquez Petaway is going to kind of break out for Oklahoma. Um, Was he hurt this year? Oh, uh, I don't believe so. I believe he uh... I, don't, I don't
0: remember I don't remember hearing anything about him being hurt. I just it just didn't seem like he was in the mix. I I wonder too, like um they've got a good receivers coach, man, Emmett Jones. So I, I know and, and and you look at the places Emmett's been, whether it's been tech or Kansas, uh it's funny, like he – He recruited uh, LJ Arnold in Kansas. LJ Arnold made a couple really big catches in that game when Kansas beat OU this year. So, kind of like one of those deals, you're probably pissed off you lost the game, but maybe feeling good. Like, well, at least the dude I, at least the kid I recruited out of DeSoto is the
1: kid that ended up, you know, putting the nail in the coffin. Uh, Yeah. So, Petaway has appeared in nine games, by the way, and has 11 catches, 70 yards, and one rush for 10 yards. Um, I liked him a lot. Coming out of high school, um, it was kind of weird. It seemed like Texas was really in it with Marion going into the spring, and then he took an official visit to Oklahoma before he took his OV to, to Texas. And um, Marvin Mims, who Oklahoma had kind of recruited him to fill his shoes and because he was leaving, mm-hmm. um, they have very similar play styles, and it's a, honestly really good player comp in my opinion. And they had Marvin Mims host uh, away on his OV, and he just blew it out of the water. So next week, when he came on campus, and he was a part of the OV weekend with you know Arch Manning and all the other guys that I think were that that late that late June official visit weekend, and he just he didn't feel like um, he was getting as much attention. I know y'all are probably griping or whatever at that, but that is a big part of the recruiting process. All humans mm-hmm. crave attention. Um, and also another thing too. He liked how the Oklahoma campus wasn't really in a city, and how it was more of a college campus type vibe instead of Austin, where it's in a big city and the campus is a lot bigger, like size wise and stuff like that. Um, Am I misremembering? It was Pettaway and Langham Creek kid. He is. He is, and he he's also, and I I really I re, I'm really polling for him how he can be successful. He uh. During his recruitment process, he wasn't able to take very many visits because he was working, like, 30, 40-hour weeks on top of school to help support his family. So absolutely awesome kid. You always pull for kids like that in that situation. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. You know, the it's really interesting. I, my dad kept bringing it up how, like, Jackson Ardell needs to be looked at as Oklahoma's version of Arch Manning or whatever. And I'm like, that is true. Um, you know, they're both the 2023 quarterback takes, but also like, you know, you could compare Jontae to Jaquez. Is like the wide receiver one takes from each one, and seeing all those guys pan out, stuff like that. Um, Jackson Arnold. So. It, it's weird to think about, like Jackson Arnold, in this run of quarterbacks Oklahoma's
0: had. The only quote-unquote homegrown guys they've had that they actually like the staff recruited them as high school players and they started. It's like. You had that run where I mean it was still like Sam Bradford to Landry Jones to Trevor Knight. And then since Baker Mayfield in fifteen, like it's been Land it's been Spencer Sanders or Spencer Sanders, Spencer Rattler, and then Jackson Arnold. Like everybody else has been a portal quarterback that they've had come through there. It's really weird how how that's worked. So hey, also, General Booty was Juco. <laughs> General Booty.
1: He went JUCO baby. Juke.
0: Even Dave, even Davis Bevel was a portal quarterback. Yeah, He's coming from Pitt. So yeah, I didn't I, even I, know I,
1: that until I saw he entered the portal, and I was like, "Damn, rip bozo!" All I remember is this guy, <laughs> this being god awful versus Texas in 2022, and uh, mm-hmm. I go to look him up because I'm like, "Where did he come from?" And I was like, "Oh, whoa, he was at Pitt." I didn't know that. I thought he was. I, to be honest, with how he played in 2022, I fully, uh, like, thought he was a walk-on who had been around for so long. Like, they gave him a scholarship because it's like, okay, yeah, you've earned this. You've been here, like, four years. I thought that's the type of player he was. I didn't know he was a scholarship guy who, who was a scholarship guy even at another program and then transferred mm-hmm. and was able to keep his scholarship at a school like like Oklahoma. So, um very interested by Bevel and to see where uh, where he's going to land. Who who's going to want him? Yeah, I, I would imagine Davis Bevel's probably done at this point with football.
0: Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting spot for for OU to be in, um, having a homegrown quarterback going into the SEC. Uh, it, I don't know, I don't want to spend more time talking about Oklahoma than we have, but I, I do wonder like. Part of me wonders, and maybe Brent Venables is a completely different guy than I'm envisioning him to be. I just, I see him, in my impression of Brent Venables is just kind of a, uh, got a little bit of the red ass. And I just wonder, like, coaches, coaches that coach with that kind of edge, Jordan, in this era where you're talking about NIL and the portal and player empowerment, like, at some point, like you got to balance it out. Does Brent Venables can Brent Venables strike that same kind of balance like Sark has struck? I think. I think so. I don't think people, you know, unless you go to practice or you're really around the team at any point, you don't get to see the the intense Steve Sarkeesian. You know, it, and, and it's not <laughs> unless fake. you're
1: media and the availabilities is winded it down. <laughs>
0: it's not. It's not fake at all. I mean, it's genuine Sark when he's you know smiling and kind of you know working the room and everything else but it's also genuine man when it's time to work you know i'll be on jordan's alluding to it and i'm sure people post about it on twitter and for the record i i i laughed, i chuckled at the whole thing um i i don't i still don't i'm still not 100 percent clear on what happened whether we were supposed to go in earlier because there was a there was an open practice window yesterday this wasn't like a thing texas set up this is like the college football playoff and the the sugar bowl set this up to where you, you get practice availability and cameras go in for like 15 minutes and you B roll for newscasts. Is basically what, it what the, what that's for. And I think people, you know, by the way, I, I did post some stuff on, on Twitter yesterday. Be, having to use Twitter as a means of communication reminds me of just how much I hate that app. And most of the people that, occupy space on it it's just it's it's infuriating but I digress now what Jordan's alluded to so I don't know if we were supposed to get it earlier and we were over our time or it was just a period where SART didn't want something shown but I'm at the opposite end of the field inside the Superdome for practice yesterday and all I I just hear screaming at the other end and before I know it I hear one of the there's a camera guy standing by me uh, and he goes, I think we're leaving. And I turn to look, and there's like three Texas Sports Information people coming over to me and a couple of the reporters. Like, it's time to go. It's time to go. Well, the person I heard screaming was uh the person I heard screaming was Sart. Basically, we're dropping some expletives, telling people that it was time for anybody that didn't need to be there to, to get out of practice. So, y'all see the intense side of Steve Sarkeesia, but I, I think what allows Sartre to be intense and to have that kind of relationship with players. Jalen Ford, and I, I got a, a – I kind of emptied the notebook, at, at course, 24-7 uh, this morning with some stuff left over from the defensive availability yesterday. Um, you know, what allows coaches to do that and to be able to, to have that kind of intimidating presence, to be able to raise their voice and scream and holler is when players understand that it's genuine, that it comes from the heart. Uh, and Jalen Ford talked about that with PK. Like, PK, Jordan, you know, they're like PK doesn't lose his temper hardly ever. And when you've got assistants – in a room, like, Jeff Choate and Bo Davis, like, you don't need to be a screamer or an overcusser. Like, you can you can just be you and chill. But, like, when PK does raise his temper, like, everybody pays attention because it's like, dude, okay, this, this must be serious. But you can do that when players realize that it's genuine, it's legit. And I'm not saying Brent Venables isn't genuine. I'm just saying, like, his demeanor stuffy might be the best way to describe Brent Venables, just how I perceive him. And I just wonder if – do recruits perceive him that way? players perceive him that way is he different when he's in front of recruits I don't know I don't know what feedback you hear from OU but that's in terms of his long-term viability that's the that's the one thing I really worry about
1: yeah um I feel like it's cool enough for me to talk about this now because a few months ago I wrote a whole story like detailing exactly what went down in his recruitment but um Colton Vosick is actually like a week or two one or two where he committed to uh Oklahoma Um or no this shit this would have been at this would have been about a month before he committed to Oklahoma because he committed in August I believe mm-hmm. I want to double check this sorry Um yeah he committed to OU August 1st so yeah. at the end of June is the annual state seven-on-seven tournament and called station I just remembered because I was in my hotel room and I was on the phone with Vossick for I don't know, probably about an hour. Um, he was down on the coast for some family vacation, and I was kind of just catching up about his recruitment. Um, you know, I, I wasn't interviewing him like we were just, you know, close friends, or both from the same area. And I'd known Vossick since you know he was like under six <laughs> one, and kind of saw him grow into this great player he is today, and all that. But uh, he told me about. A month, month and a half before he committed to Oklahoma. Like, he was like, I can't really ever see myself playing for those coaches. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, Like this is the recruiting process right now. Like, I understand right now, like, my ass is supposed to be getting kissed and I'm supposed to be getting courted and all this stuff. Like, I know it's how the recruiting world works. But, like, in talking with these guys, they're kind of like assholes right now. And if they're supposed to be kissing my ass <laughs> right now, how is it going to be when I get there to Oklahoma and they have to coach me? Like, he basically yeah. – he he said those words, not verbatim, but he did say that. And I was like, oh, I don't know. So, that's why I was so surprised when I found out he was going to Oklahoma. I texted him, and I was like, hey, I heard about OU. Like, congrats, whatever, you know, what happened. And he he didn't really want to talk about much right then. He just wanted to find out how I found out. And I was like, it's yeah. kind of my job. Um, yeah. But, but – um. But yeah, and he ended up committing to Oklahoma a month and a half later. So maybe they uh maybe they got him with the soul mission. Um, I know they they hit kids over the head with that. The soul mission is like, you know, as corny as it sounds, that's kind of exactly how corny it is. <laughs> um, the guys will get like suits and it's like the same type of energy as like Baylor's person over player stuff. It's like the same thing. Yeah. It's just branded Venables, differently.
0: Venables, uh, Venables uh, operates his program, and it's no, it's not a shock considering how long he's been around. The guy, but operates his program a lot like Dabo does at Clemson. So by the way, Clemson's playing Kentucky right now. Actually, I might watch. I'm gonna try to watch some of that game. Uh, I got to record a podcast at one o'clock. I'm gonna try to watch some of that Clemson Kentucky Gator Bowl because Jordan Texas plays Kentucky next year. Uh, so you gotta got to do some little advanced scouting on Kentucky. Getting ready for that SEC schedule next year, uh, but no, man—the man, the one time, the only thing Brent Venables has ever done to me, and it was done indirectly, is his first year at OU when Texas just beat the ever-loving hell out of out of Oklahoma in the Red River game. So the way they do the post game is the losing team goes first, and you have to do your interviews with the losing team on the concourse while you know maintenance workers are going through with trash bags and leaf blowers and cleaning up the stadium and everything else. And the fair is going on over here and it's not a great setup. And then the winning team goes second. And then you get to use the interview room, which is basically the club, the the club lounge during the game, they turn it into the interview room and you get to use that. Venables ended up being over an hour late to the press conference. So Texas had to go first. So I'm like, and this is, this is one of the few times I put on my entitled media person hat. I'm like, why the hell do I have to do my post-game interviews out on the concourse where I have to, like, shield myself from leaf blowers distorting my audio just because Brent Venables wanted to get showered and make sure make sure everybody had suits on when they went and got their turkey leg before getting on the bus. So that's the only thing Brent Venables has ever done to me, and it was done indirectly, like I said. that's gotten him on my bad side. But enough about Oklahoma, unless you had something else. Jordan, Oklahoma related
1: you wanted to discuss. No, this is my last comment, but <laughs> since I first saw Brent Venables on a Clemson sideline, I said it then and I'm I'm saying it now. He looks like Red Skull from um Captain America, the Avengers. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Does he not look exactly <laughs> like him, bro? He looks right, exactly like looking. him. Damn, Caldnik, already getting hate in the in the comments. Let's see what he's done. I forgot that, that game is that game. Uh, They're up 3-0, there a, man. There is a resemblance. There is a resemblance. Yeah, yeah if y'all want to go look up Red Skull, Captain America, Red Skull Avengers, that's a picture of Brett Venables. I just had to I just had to picture
0: Venables in my mind before I pulled up a picture. And yeah, there is a resemblance. Let's talk about Texas and Shocker. There's a shock, here's a shot. Here's some shocking breaking news. By the way, Jake, that's the Longhorn Blitz podcast, uh, the Horns twenty four seven podcast feed is where you can get that whenever it drops, which will drop like probably tomorrow, maybe this afternoon. I don't know, uh, but at any rate, um, this is some shocking breaking news from the availability today with the offensive players: Quinn Ewers, AD Mitchell, Tavian Sanders. None of them said. All of us said to a man that they haven't made decisions on their NFL future yet. They're more concerned about the Sugar Bowl. So, well,
1: there it is. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Jeff, nah, Jeff Howe,
0: breaking news. No, nah, it was it was good. Uh, one thing though, to go back to something we talked about yesterday, and it always makes me feel, you know, like I'm like I'm on the right path with my job when something that I talk about. Uh, and then you ask the player about it, and it turns out to be that you were on the right path. That kind of makes you feel good. Like, oh, man, I I, I pat on the back, I did something good for once. That happens every now and then to me. Blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. But I was asking Quinn about – he brought it up, just his growth, his maturation, being able to take what the defense gives them, not forcing the ball down the field, understanding – basically being more in tune with Sark's offense has helped him understand when to check the ball down that checking the ball down isn't like admitting defeat. It's actually a good play. And I asked him like, what did that? I felt like that started for him in the ball game last year. And he said, you know, it, it really clicked for him in bowl prep. It's really when it clicked for him that, you know what, when guys can get yards after the catch and you can get the ball to, to an Xavier worthy or a Jonathan Brooks, or even a, a, J- a Jatavian Sanders in space and let them go work. There are more than one ways not all explosive plays are created equal. Yes, you can get the big 40-plus yard shot down the field, but if you throw X a screen and he rips it off for 20 yards and, you know, 22 of that's after the catch, it's the same thing. You're still getting explosive plays. So I think Quinn, it was nice to hear him talk about just how he's evolved. and We talked about it yesterday, Jordan. Uh, you know, all but I think, what, four or five of his passes in the, in the Oklahoma State game were – no further than nine yards down the field. 15 of them were behind the line of scrimmage. So he was, he was as dialed in as he's been, had big numbers. And other than the one shot to AD Mitchell, he never really had to force the big shot down the field. And I think we've seen Sark as a byproduct of that become a better play caller. It's kind of one of those chicken egg things, right? Like, did Sark help Quinn realize, hey, this is how I want my offense to function? Or, was it, Quinn's, was it Quinn's realization that, you know what, I can just check the ball down and this is fine. And, and it, you know, which came first, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The Texas offense is a well-oiled machine as a result. But it's good to hear Quinn talk about just his maturation and for it to jive and line up with kind of what we were talking about yesterday and what I've observed really from Quinn over the last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, any uh, highlights from – because you all interview him each day, right? Have you all talked to him today already? Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was this morning. So we got offensive players this morning. It was Quinn, uh, Jatavian Sanders. Uh, The only guys I didn't talk to, I didn't talk to Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell uh, and Christian Jones was available. And it's funny, we we talked about this too. Um, It's a different different time at Texas, man, because, you know – so for so long, even, in, even in the heyday under Mac, you know, Texas was a program that whatever analogy you want to use, man, they were at times they were more sizzled than steak at times. They were the times they could be an all hat, no cattle type program, but this Texas team for Texas to be on the verge of an of a, of a potentially playing for a national championship being in a national championship game. Texas to be in this position without, you know, they didn't have a Heisman finalist. Their quarterback, you know, Quinn, I think we can all agree, is a, trans- a potentially transcendent talent, but he's not there yet in terms of being a complete quarterback. You know, probably your, your, your All-American candidate, your, your biggest honors candidate on offense would have been Jonathan Brooks, but he tore his ACL in game 10. So you didn't have that guy, you, you know, Xavier Worthy's a really good player. He's been an All American. He's an all-purpose guy, but we know X can be up and down, and, and it's hard. It's hard to build your offense around one wide receiver. Uh, they had. They don't have a, a you know a double-digit sack guy. They don't have anybody on the back end like Deshaun Elliott in 2017, getting six, seven, eight interceptions. It's really been kind of a blue-collar team, and I think where the toughness that Texas plays with, you look at the fact that in their 12 wins. They've won the rushing yardage battle in all of those games. They've controlled the line of scrimmage in all of those games. And to hear Jatavian Sanders and Christian Jones talk about it, man, they don't talk about NIL deals in the locker room. They they don't talk about, you know, the draft. They're not talking about extracurricular stuff. This is a team and a culture that's built on just – I know we can get into that, but (laughs) – from what those guys say, it's a culture that's built on dude, There's It's just dudes in the locker room that love ball and they just want to win football games. Like at the end of the day, that stuff is going to be there. But when everybody comes together, it is one common goal of dude. They just want to win games. And you know, Christian Jones, he's been there. Man, Christian Jones has seen a lot. If you think about it, he was a true freshman in 2018,
1: so he's yeah. That, he's seen, that he's is wild. That a lot. I remember and I watched that game at a. Airbnb in Fredericksburg, shit. If that was in 2018. That would have been my sophomore year of high school. Wow. I remember Christian Jones wearing uh,
0: Isaiah Wilson's jersey. He was a scout team. Was on. He was playing Isaiah Wilson, the Georgia offensive lineman who went in the first round on the scout yeah, team. He was wearing a black 79 jersey, and I remember dude. looking at him because I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen because he wasn't on the travel squad or anything. Now I remember looking at him getting off the bus at the Superdome, and I'm like, "Damn, I'm like, that's that's how you make an offensive tackle right there." That's a good-looking joker getting off the bus, and it's been a process. But you know, he's talking about he's like, "Look, when you when you've been through as much stuff as some of us have been through, like you," for, he didn't say this I'm putting words, and I'm like, you, "You get calloused up a little bit, like you realize that, man, you it it's either." You punch or you get punched like that's eventually what some guys realize. It's like that's what this Texas team has realized like look if, if we don't want to get punched in the face, we need to punch first and keep punching. it's it's really weird to to think of a Texas team as a blue collar team. but if there's if there is a Texas team that's a blue collar team, Jordan, this is probably the closest thing I've seen,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I was just gonna ask, what do you in uh, the highlight of of all the media frenzy so far with uh, like getting to talk to the players? Like, what's the funniest thing that's been said? do You think so uh, far?
0: All right, so I do want to address. Or are this they, are case they
1: case. all are they all being like Mr. Serious, all business? They're not it, being lifted at all.
0: They they've been they're trying really hard not to give any bulletin board material. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to address something CB brought up in the chat. Word Xavier Worth is saying he's still not a hundred percent. He's as close as he's going to be. And I watched him in the Superdome yesterday. He was back working on, on punts. Uh, Eric Henry watched a little bit more of the wide receivers than I did. Eric said he, you know, fast and fluid is, is what I could tell. So, um, yeah, I, is he 100%? Okay, if he says he's not, he's not. But he looks a damn shot better than he did towards the end of the season. And with a month to get healthy, you figure that's going to be the case. Uh, I think the same thing with Jatavian Sanders. Jatavion Sanders had an ankle uh, ankle problem since the Kansas game, and that was at the end of September. So, you know, guys are banged up, but they've they've been able to get healthy. And by the way, uh, Worthy and Ryan Watts both practiced yesterday. They were both dressed out, even though Manny Muhammad was with the one yesterday in the little glimpse we saw. uh, It was Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks with the corners. Um, I think the funniest thing, and let me see if I can pull this up. I want to see if I can find this. I'm assuming so, they didn't
1: do any team stuff, just indie. Whenever y'all were there,
0: uh, they did like some thud tempo, like two thud tempo possessions a little thud tempo period, and that was yeah. that was it. So I don't know if anybody can see this. So uh, somebody asked Jatavian Sanders if he's if he's asked Arch Manning for an autograph, and JT joked like, oh, you know, but you know, bet if I one to one, I can get one. So this is JT. This is a JT Sanders autograph. I don't know if everybody can see that. But that's JT's autograph on one of his uh, Bowman throwback cards. And I asked him. I was like, "All right," because it bothers me that, like, as as a sports card collector, bothers me that sometimes guys don't put a lot of effort into their autograph. And I asked JT. I said,
1: "All right, sign like said, a thousand things at once." <laughs> I
0: said, "Is that is that a byproduct of you just signing way too many cards and way too many stickers?" Or do you really need to sit down and work on your autograph? And he said, no, man. And I actually, there are examples of his autograph. It's a nice flowing signature. But he said, at that point, my hand was cramping. So, like, I just started putting JS on everything. I was like, okay, so you got hand cramps, so shorting. So, I thought that was a good answer. Somebody, somebody asked Baron Sorrell yesterday, Jordan, uh, if Texas is ready for the SEC. <laughs> And, like, Sorrell had the same kind of thought I did. I'm like, okay, I guess if you go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama and you're sitting here in the CFP, I don't know what. I don't know what other evidence you need. But, okay, yeah, Texas is like, I don't know. I guess somebody felt the need to ask that question and really needed an answer. So, Baron Sorrell's from Louisiana, so I think it had something to do with Being an SEC country and is Texas ready for the SEC, but I think I think we've seen Texas as I don't know. And then the and then the follow-up was what kind of statement can Texas make? I'm like, is there a bigger freaking statement you can make than being in the playoff other than winning a national championship? So yeah. I I don't know, man. It was that was one that was I was like, ooh, okay. I didn't mention that in a notebook just because it was like. Yeah, this real this really got asked.
1: This was a real question that got asked. Yeah, go Baron. um <laughs> Did uh
0: <laughs> I don't know, if anybody in the chat wants to chime in, was there any was there any social media chatter from reporters yesterday about about uh practice the practice window ending abruptly yesterday?
1: I I didn't look, but Okay. I, don't know if anyone was I didn't
0: there. look either, but like there were some people that were like, man, that was like, I don't know. There was a few people on that bus going back to the media hotel that were a little
1: traumatized. And, and I you was look like, to them like the James Franco meme, and you're like, first time?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, and it, dude, I, it, trust me, man, you gotta, you gotta not, you can't take that stuff personally. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't take it personally. Uh, someone's just like, man, the this, this Sark, this Sark, has Sark ever done that before? I'm like, <laughs> that's like a Thursday during spring ball for us. So, yeah, it's yeah. not, that's not, nothing. I just, well, <clears throat> welcome to the Texas beat. I, I love it, man. It's good. It's good stuff. So um, Yeah. No, Jake, I'll say this. It was, uh, it was not a local reporter. It was not a local reporter. I, the person that asked that question, <clears throat> I think it was a Louisiana, New Orleans-based reporter, Louisiana-based reporter. Never seen that person before. So, but it was the same person. Remember, I said yesterday, when somebody was trying to bait Tavondre Sweat into giving bulletin board material. And kept pressing him. That was the same, the same person that asked Baron rally the SEC questions. The same person that was trying to get Tavondre Sweat to say something about Washington's offensive
1: line. Interesting. Can you tell me who it is once we get off air? No, I, I, just the thing. I don't. I don't know who it is. I didn't see. Uh, just, oh, I feel oh, like you. I feel
0: like Wesley Snipes is Willie May's Hayes in Major League. I don't know. He wasn't wearing a name tag. I didn't catch I didn't catch the dude's name, but I've he, he's either a, a UW writer or somebody based in the southeast or New Orleans because I've never seen the dude before. So
1: yeah. Um I saw JD. Hack- it
0: was, Jake, I can confirm it was not Sergio Dip. I can confirm that. <laughs>
1: saw so J.D. Hacks comment that Westlake's only high school in history to have two NFL Super Bowl MVPs. I do know that. Um, but, don't believe they have as many first-round picks as like Travis does or as many Heisman winners. Damn, my voice is still cracking. I'm still getting my voice back from, from losing it at uh, at the state games. It's been rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lake Travis, they got a Heisman winner. The first overall I was pick the Tra- overall pick.
0: That that scoreboard is
1: one to zero. So hmm. let's, not, let's
0: not act let's not act like uh Lake Travis is crapping out Heisman winners. No disrespect to Coach Carter. Okay, the, the Super Bowl draft.
1: MVP score is two to zero. Like it's not that big of a difference. Um <laughs> You also had the number eight true. overall pick in, in baseball, MLB Brett Beatty a few years ago as well. So and we had uh, Todd recently – every year from, like, 2005 until um, – I mean, really until – I mean, it's still going on. It's The streak is still active. The streak used to be power five quarterbacks, and until Michigan State and Bo Edmondson went separate ways, um, that was going to continue until next year or through this year. Uh, but Bo Edmondson ended up signing with UNLV. Brendan Marion went and got his quarterback through through Edmondson. I like Travis. Um So now the streak is every single FBS uh, or every single starting quarterback like Travis since I think 2005 it was has gone FBS. Um, So pretty uh, interesting stuff. Um, I was just just
0: looking at uh,
1: Hudson Cards year at Purdue. That wasn't a – he didn't
0: have a terrible year at Purdue this year. 2,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions. How many years left does he have? So he should have – he should have two. So 2024, he'll be a redshirt senior, and then he'll have his COVID year if he wants to use it. So he's got two.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to find this tweet. Because I made this graphic way back in the day. Damn, I really can't find this.
0: We need a Price Right horn for whenever stuff like this happens. Yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll
1: stop looking. Um, yeah, sad trombone for Jordan. you know, unable to find his graphic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they did give him. His Super Bowl MVPs are more important, but, um, you know, Lake Travis busted that ass for about 10 years in a row. So, we'll, we'll take it how we take it.
0: And lay, hey, well, I didn't, you, know, you know, hey, I just remembered something.
1: Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sam Ellinger never beat Lake Travis. Drew Brees, I think, bait, beat Lake Travis maybe once if he did. Um, uh, and Lake I don't think, and Westlake, I don't think would have
0: played each
1: other at that point. Oh, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. My bad. Nick Foles, though, I don't believe Nick Foles has a win versus Lake Travis. I'm pretty sure Garrett Gilbert won all those games because were they not – they were together. At no, that, point. that would
0: have been. Well, they didn't line up. I don't think
1: so. Okay, Unless let's see.
0: I'm trying to think
1: what class is that? that have been,
0: been,
1: you know, what he, he was class and of 2007, so they would have competed Garrett's, against each other. So
0: Garrett's sophomore year, I think you'd have to go back and look. I want to say Garrett's sophomore year. They, they played. Yeah. I think. Yeah. For some reason, that sounds right in my head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, hey, the the all-time record, Lake Travis wins. Westlake's had that number uh, lately. By the way, Jordan, you care
0: if I eat during the show?
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't, but, year, so. I mean, we got 12 minutes if we do want to wait. Dude, I'm hey, hungry, like, hey, Hey, you're I all good on I understand.
0: I got I understand. this uh, banana walnut thingy from Starbucks downstairs. That was breakfast. Hey, um, okay,
1: what five bucks?
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, I had two of the, two of them deals. It was ten, it was ten bucks. Jake I actually had a good roast beef debris, po' Boy, last night. It was it was on point from Joey K's. Um one thing, Jordan, I didn't want to mention though that was you, you're asking for like funny anecdotes and stuff from the press conferences. Um I think it was Joe Cook from Inside Texas. It might have been Joe that asked Quinn uh, what he was doing when, because you know, like when they were playing Dixieland Delight in the fourth quarter uh, in Tuscaloosa, like the camera caught A.D. Mitchell and a couple other guys dancing. I think it was Joe who asked Quinn, he goes, Hey, what were you doing when they were playing Dixieland Delight? When he goes, Sitting there singing along? Like, so, uh, so uh, that was, that's one of those moments. That's one of those games that's going to go down in school history is one of those big, kind of wow moments going on the road. To Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. And apparently, I didn't I don't know, but apparently Sark played made it a point to play Dixieland delight on the speakers on the practice field that whole week leading up to the game. So it's not a shock that some guys were singing along and knew the words because they've been hearing that damn song all week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is it is weird. So whenever I was in Dallas a few weeks ago and did one of the shows at uh in Frisco. I walked outside because where I was doing it at the start, it's, like, right next to the Cowboys practice field, and there's a little viewing deck. And they don't like us watching practice, but, like, they don't really say anything if you're only there for, like, a minute or two, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really weird seeing them pipe crowd noise in because it was – shit, that would have been the week they are getting prepared to go play the Bills and Buffalo, yeah. So they, they were piping in – crowd noise and stuff and it was that was the first time i've been able to see a football team practice and what it looks like when they pump noise in but um yeah. well, while we're on the topic of funny anecdotes is because i don't want to let this slide espn i don't know who wrote this but they put the falcons and arthur smith and a they put them on the news on a t-shirt and a blunt whatever you want to call it they smoked them he said, the problem is imagine if the Golden State Warriors ran their offense through Andrew Bogut and Festus Ellie instead of the Splash Brothers. That's the problem for the Falcons. <laughs> it's a pretty good end. Like, that's the best way to explain it in NBA terms. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I turned it from red zone to the Falcons game or just watched on red zone and said, like, okay, we're about to get Bijan the rock, right? We're on the five yard line. And it's like, no, we're not. We're gonna have Kyle Pitts block. And we're gonna have John U. Smith run a fade.
0: And Bijan's not even on the field.
1: Yeah, and we got Algiers on the field and he split out wide too. Cause why? Because we're running QB draw, baby. Like dude,
0: I'm sorry, man. I, I don't mean to disparage, but dude. It's bad. Uh, Desmond I, Ritter doesn't have a long term future as a starting quarterback in the National Football League, kids. I'm sorry. It just doesn't yeah. look doesn't look good.
1: Yeah, who do you uh who do you like in the bowl games today? We Clemson and Kentucky's uh 7-3 with 13-19 left in the second quarter. Kentucky's up. Oh, I
0: think JD Hex said uh Kate has zero weapons to work with. The O line sucks. Kentucky is it, JD is this your first time watching Clemson this year? It's uh is there a is there a more is there a more depressing conference to watch in the ACC? Yeah, like my stink. brothers, a, my brothers a Miami fan. My brother loves Miami. Like his two, the two teams he roots for, Baylor and Miami. Don't ask me how the hell that happened. Um, we we're both raised under the same roof. I ended up normal somehow, uh, but I was like, dude, I, I texted him yesterday while I was, I was working and watched the Pinstripe Bowl. I was like, dude, I was like, I know you're working and you're not, you can't see this. I'm like, but Miami just lost this game in the most Miami way possible, like. They, they recovered an onside kick. You've got hope. You know, Xavier Restruper like alligator arms, a third down pass that would have given him a first down. And then what do they do? They throw the ball to him like three yards short of the sticks and he can't make the first down. Ball game's over. Like, dude, that, that's like Miami football under Mario Cristobal in a nutshell. And I'm like, man, is Mario Cristobal, uh like, is he just a, a stubborn meathead or an idiot? And my brother was like, Yes. Yes, uh, but dude, it's that ACC. ACC football is rough, man. Like, awesome. if Clemson was in any other league. If Clemson was in any other league, if they were if Clemson was in the SEC or the Big Ten, Davo would have had a couple of like six win seasons already or five win seasons. The only yeah. thing that saved Clemson from that kind of 2010 Texas like downfall is the fact that the ACC plays a garbage eight game conference schedule. And other than Florida State and maybe one or two other schools, like an NC State or somebody, like, it's it, it's garbage competition for the
1: most part. Yeah. Somehow, Miami, somehow they did. And uh, we all know why. Um, I, I don't know with, with Miami and Crystal Ball, dude, because, like, people on Twitter, like – uh, we, You know, we live in a microwave society where everyone wants to see a finished product right away and everybody can't wait to get their hot takeout and their opinion and stuff like that. Yeah. But dude, the people on Twitter who are saying, like, if you're a recruit and can go anywhere and the pay anywhere is going to be kind of in the same ballpark, you're out of your goddamn mind to go to Miami. <laughs> you're out of your... Because you yeah. literally have a head football coach. Who lost a game this year because he wouldn't need the ball. You know what I mean? And <laughs> because like, Michael Mar- Cristobal, for
0: some reason, hates the victory formation. <laughs> yeah. I was, and you it's- know what? You know what's funny about that too? So Eric Henry, our coworker, Eric's a UCF alum, and went to the mm-hmm. Gasparilla bowl. And of course, Georgia Tech beats UCF. And I'm like, you know what's funny? I said, if Mario Cristobal didn't, for some unknown reason, just loathe the victory formation, I'm like, Georgia Tech's not even in this game. They're not even bowl eligible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Miami, though, it's just like, man, I don't know. And, like, also, you have, like, the worst home atmosphere time in the Power Five, Dude. and it's it's just, like, Ugh, I don't know. I I've never liked the Miami colors either. I like the only draw I really see there is just the bags and the women, and that's it. Because you're not getting coached, you're not winning shit, and you're not playing in front of anyone either. Man, so, no. and, and kids today, un-
0: unless you're unless you've got family members that can tell you about the Miami dynasty, those kids have yeah. never seen Miami be good. Yeah,
1: they they could get. They don't shot.
0: know anything about that two thousand one team, which is maybe the most insane collection of talent ever on a college football team. They don't know about that team. Yeah, they don't they don't uh, know about you know the the Michael Irvins of the world and you know, Benny Blades and Jerome Brown. They don't know about any of those guys. Jimmy Johnson they don't know about those guys.
1: Nah, the only one they probably know about is Frank Gordon just because old ass is still in Madden or still was in Madden up until this past year. Um some said Did crystal ball or didn't crystal ball leaving Oregon get Texas Calvin Banks. Um I wouldn't say it's the main reason but like it it's what got the ball rolling again the second time yeah. around if that makes sense. Like to Texas wouldn't have reached out and started pursuing as hard and all that if like it wasn't yeah. like hey the the head coach this guy committed is who just left. So but you know that you, you talk
0: about, you know the microwave micro society we live in, and I agree with that. But the times I watch Miami, there are a handful of decisions. Cristobal, and and man, I I've heard him speak. I know he's an old he's an old line guy. I think he evaluates and develops that position really well. Uh, played for Jimmy Johnson, won two national championships. I I I, I, I kind of dig Mario Ball just like the. The, the the perception, like I perceive Mario Cristobal, the, going back to what we talked about initially, I perceive Mario Cristobal in a much more favorable light than I do Brent Venables, but then I, I see a handful of decisions in a game that I'm like, dude, like, are, are you just like, is this a rib? Like, are you trying to put your team through some kind of weird adversity test? Like, it just doesn't make any sense, some of the stuff he does, and it's like, more than facilities or crappy home environment or whatever home field environment or whatever, if I'm recruiting against Miami, the easiest pitch is, dude, you have got a coach that
1: doesn't need the ball.
0: Game day doesn't know. Looks like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's wild because I know the there were some of these problems at Oregon during his tenure there, but it feels like it's like been times ten. Yeah. In his time at, at Miami. Yeah. So, I don't know. I know the people in Miami are pretty effing dedicated um, to just throwing so much money at this that it works, that it's impossible for it not to work. Because, I mean, look, like, <laughs> I want to talk about this before I forget about it. The whole knee-the-ball thing, whenever that happened, I saw someone, uh, I forgot who it was, it was someone from our network, went back and looked at the end of all of Miami's games not once under Mario Crystal Ball's tenure in Miami as he need the ball at that point, yeah. Um, so it's like stuff like that, but uh, they're, they're getting talented players there. Um, and they're getting a lot of guys who are NFL bodies, NFL frames who, you know, project to play in the NFL. Um, each player is different. Each development is different. Some of those guys can just make it to the league by kind of thugging it out regardless of the coaches. Some players are just that way. Um, but Miami is one of of those
0: programs based on proximity. Miami is one of those programs like Texas. It doesn't, it probably doesn't have the, the pedigrees are a little bit different. Like Texas is old money. Miami is more new money, but you're you're the freaking university of Miami. You're in South Florida. Like you're going to get players that are going to go to the league, regardless of whether, whether you're a 10 win team or a five win team.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't know, but with, with, with Miami, everyone talks about the life wallet money they got. Um, they have a lot; have multiple millions of dollars committed to Miami in that program outside of life yeah. wallets. Um, and yeah, I really think their model is just throw so much money at this, and like it has to work. And and part of that too, Jordan. Like I, I think the fact that that Crystal Ball is a legacy guy,
0: he's one of theirs. Yeah, said, that dude, too. Dude, dude played for Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson. Like, he's he, – you you don't get much more. You can't get much more Miami than Mario Cristobal. I think yeah. they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. In other words, if Mario Cristobal gets fired from Miami at some point and it's not like some kind of scandal that just gets out of control, he won't he won't be able to blame anybody but himself. He will be given yeah. every opportunity there to succeed. He's going to get every advantage possible to succeed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of weird, but <laughs> I should have said this. Earlier. When I hear Miami, like University of Miami, I think of uh, – didn't Shane Larkin go there, or am I completely messing this up? No, Shane
0: Larkin's a Miami Hurricane. Again, Okay, okay. our age difference. Shane Larkin's definitely not the first thing I think of when I think of Miami. But
1: I just remember him going stupid during a March Madness game whenever I was, like, in middle school or something, and I'm like – this is like Jesus Christ on a basketball court.
0: Like he Shane he, Shane
1: he could not miss that night. Um I know I think
0: BK's backstage, he'll appreciate this. Shane Larkin, the guy the Mavericks drafted
1: instead of Giannis. Oh yeah. Um th- didn't know about that one, but hey, they made him way better in 2K than he really was in real life. Because I remember in 2K he was also always a pain in the ass to go up against and if y'all are saying he's ass, I believe y'all are ass. Or believe y'all are yeah. <laughs> right. BK, sorry I had to kick you in the nuts there before uh, right before the show
0: starts.
2: Are you sure one, they eight. took, I know it was the same year, but are you sure Larkin went before
0: Giannis did? No, they traded back. They traded their pick back, I think. That was when uh. Cuban was doing bits in the draft. Remember, like they took Satnam Singh in the second round one year?
2: Yeah, save the bids for Shark yeah. Tank, guy. We don't we don't need those here. Yeah.
1: Hey, Jeff, you also gotta realize though that with Miami and me saying Larkin is kind of what I think of. Miami has never been like a, a top ten program in football. Like my whole life, not once. Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: so like saying, I right? don't
1: like they've been more of a basketball school in the the twenty one years of my life than than football. And yeah. BK, BK, what year were you born? 1994.
0: Do, do you have any recollection of when Miami was really good? A little bit, yeah.
2: I mean, I remember the, yeah, uh, Ohio I
0: State,
2: uh, the Ohio State National Championship game is like one of the early college football memories that I have and the questionable P.I. call yeah. in the back of the end zone there. I sure as hell know more about Miami than Shane Larkin. My God, there's... <laughs> I did, there's like 500 other Miami athletes across other sports, including basketball, that I would name before Shane
0: Larkin when talking
2: about the U.
1: Man, well, like, I don't know. It came to me.
0: That's so, was 17 17 year old kids like don't don't give a rat's ass about Ken Dorsey and Andre Johnson. They don't, yeah. don't remember. They only you know, know probably what. This is a good segue. This is kind of some Trey and BK stuff because I was mentioned. I was talking about this to somebody the other day. Uh, they might know Brian McKinney if they've ever gone and done a deep dive on Google about the Vikings love boat scandal.
1: <laughs> what? I don't, I don't even know what that is.
0: Dude, why are y'all y'all, y'all not know about the Vikings love boat scandal back no, in the, like, 2006 the or seven? What?
3: No, give us the cliff notes version.
0: Oh, dude, the, the Fred Smoot and I forget who the other player was rented a boat. The Vikings had a bye week and there were like escorts and strippers that were paid to be on this boat, and there were orgies and dills and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff floating around that boat. Uh, Bryant McKinney's part in the Love Boat scandal was he put a uh, he put a, a woman up on a bar top and proceeded to take the southern route and told everybody the people that were in the room uh, that he was gonna. I'm trying to remember the right terminology used that he was going to plow through the okra patch and show them what that meant. And he proceeded to do so. Did you say the okra patch? Okra patch.
3: I don't even understand why that gets the name the (laughs) okra patch. I mean, different strokes for
0: different folks, but you know. Hmm. Yeah, I think that needs to be a trade.
3: Is that because it went from really fat down there to really skinny in a matter of
0: months? I guess, I don't know, but there, that needs to be a Trey and BK investigates. There needs to be a deep mm-hmm. dive done on the Vikings love boat scandal. It's a good off-season topic.
3: Just curious to know why there were dill pickles floating around this this uh, this love boat.
0: I don't know, man. Uh, there's there's a tale of Fred Smoot. Uh, well, you know what, I'll just, I'll just, you kids can look, you can kind of throw that one in the Google machine and
3: have fun say with say that before the Fred end
0: of the work. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Real quick, before I go, uh, content up in Horns 24-7 staff roundtable is posted. Uh, Keys to victory for uh, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I emptied the notebook on the defensive side. I got a story on Quinn Ewer's coming today. So uh, plenty of good Sugar Bowl content.
2: How about a story about third leg Greg? Did that make the cut?
0: See, that's another Jordan. You you should probably like that. Greg Olson, as part of the Seventh Floor Crew, should come to mind a lot quicker than Shane Larkin.
2: Mm, there's a murderer Greg. on that team too. <laughs> oh
3: yeah, is third leg yeah. Greg? Does he have the reputation that one Big Nick Dick
0: does? Big well, yeah. Excuse me. Have you ever heard the Have you heard the Seventh Floor Crew rap trade? Did you ever hear that? No. When it came out, yeah. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but Greg Greg uh, Greg Olson did say he likes to sh- drop his pants and show the ladies his third leg.
2: Yeah,
3: guy was bumping he, that the
0: football player was back
3: in the day, but he had the nickname Wristwatch because he could apparently wrap it around his wrist.
0: Mm. interesting. Heard of the uh, heard of the term "baby's arm holding an apple" too. It's, yeah, I don't know nothing about that, but Jordan's mortified, so I think that's a good time
3: for us to leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm all pubic bone, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. See you
0: <laughs> have a good all show, right. fellas. Yeah, see you.